0: Well, good morning, church. Amen. Nice to see all of you here today, uh, here in the building and here online, wherever here is for you out there in the world virtually. Just glad you could take some time uh, to spend with us this, this morning. We are going to continue on in our teaching series that we started on Easter Sunday called Choosing Hope. And uh, pretty appropriate to start a hope series on Easter Sunday. And we, we looked at... Um, you know, when we base our hope in our circumstances, if we base our hope in our, our jobs, in, our, in the d- degrees we have or the, the degrees we don't have, if we base it in our family and our friends, uh, even our church family, that inevitably we will be let down. That is the, the nature of, of things. And so we talked about hope is not in our circumstances. Uh, it's not in our careers. It's not in those things I mentioned. It's in the person of Christ. And so if we're looking and seeking that pure hope, that eternal hope, that perfect hope, we need to put our faith and our trust in Christ. And even though we may have circumstances in our lives from time to time that we <clears throat> maybe feel, not, don't feel a lot of hope, we can turn to that one true hope um, as in, in Jesus. And then last week we went through, a Bill took us through soul care and looking at, well, first of all, the difference between soul care and self-care. We're very big into self-care. That's all the self-help books and all the things that we do out there uh, to, to, to make ourselves better, faster, stronger, whatever. But, but the soul care, and, and, and what it really boiled down to is if we're going to put our hope in the person of Christ, we should probably get to know him better. And we should try to get to know God the Father and God the Spirit. So how do we do that? And we talked about getting into His Word. Just as we, just how would you get to know somebody uh, in your life? You would you would spend time with them, and so you do that with God by getting into to, to uh, His Word. You talk to that person, and so you talk to God. And we talked about uh, getting getting into prayer with God, and then of course, and this is one that I miss all the time. We listen to God. We take the time to be still, to be quiet. And know that that He is God, and as I I I miss that a lot of times when I pray, I have a list of things for God to do, and then I immediately leave and go off and do whatever it is the heck I'm going to do. I don't what I call pray attention to God. I don't take the time to be quiet and be still. And listen, and I, I really like the example that Bill gave from his own life about you know going into that room in the house with the chair and sitting down and starting the prayer instead of, well, like I do, okay, God, here's what we need to do. With something more like, what have you got for me? What do I need to be doing to, to live the way you created me to be? And so that takes us to this week where we look at if, as we get to know God, as we get to know Christ, as we get to know the Spirit, we find pretty quickly that Jesus wants to be in our lives and not just here on Sunday morning or maybe in your community group or maybe you volunteer at one of the ministries here or out and about in the community. He wants to be in our life all the time and he wants to be in all of our life. C.S. Lewis uses in, in, uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, he uses the analogy of, a, of like we're a living house. And many of us invite Christ into that house to fix something up. Maybe the roof is leaking. Maybe we've got a, a leaky faucet or we wanna redo the carpet or something and, 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 and Jesus will do that. But then he starts taking out walls and putting on additions to our house and redoing the yard. And, and eventually he walks down a hallway in that house and he says, what's in there? What's in those two rooms there? And you say something like... Uh, Nothing. <laughs> nothing to see here, Jesus. And that's the enemy, of course. The enemy always wants us to distract us, fill us with noise, uh, saying, hey, nothing to see here. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of that later. And Jesus says, no. I want to be in those rooms too. And so that's, that's what we're going to kind of camp out in that, that idea of getting Jesus into all of our lives. So it was probably... Three months ago, maybe now, I got an email from Pastor Bill, and it said, uh, I'm going to do it. We're doing a teaching on darkness. And I thought of you. (laughs) So I'm the darkness guy. All right, he didn't actually say that. After I read it again, he said, overcoming darkness in our lives. And so that made more sense, because he knows my story. And some of you may know my story. Uh, A story that that involves 45 years in the darkness of atheism. And uh, 25 of those years in, uh, I think, sometimes a deeper darkness of, of, of alcoholism. And so I stand before you today, though, I' a, a changed man, a man that's been transformed by God, a man that's, that's walking with Christ, and as of last I guess it was Easter Sunday, nine years, clean and sober, because of that transformation.) <laughs> I really should end the message right there, don't you think? That was kind of an up. All right, um, and 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 Pastor Bill also knows, and some of you may as well, that uh, I get to see this transformation from darkness to light every week at our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Uh, I'm, I'm the, currently the ministry leader there, and that's what that's what that ministry is about. And so I'm 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 inundated with this 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 transformation of darkness to light. And I have not gotten it figured out completely. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I am still walking from darkness to light all the time with, with God. But I wanted to take the opportunity this morning to just kind of share with you a little bit of, of, of what that looks has looked like in my life and, and what that looks like in hopefully in, in, in your lives. Um, and, so, and so that's, as I say, where we're headed. Now that word darkness... It's kind of a loaded word, especially when you're talking about it in, in church or with, in, in relation to scripture, we're looking at a lot of times meaning the enemy or evil or sin, and so that can make us feel uncomfortable, and I, and I totally get that. And I also say good that that makes us feel that way, because I think that's the spirit working in you. I think that's the spirit prompting you to maybe say, hey, let's, let's go into that room Let's go attack whatever it is that you're, you're keeping in there. You're feeling the spirit putting on the armor, ready to go in and take that darkness away with his, with his light. So I think that's a good thing. Um, and, and let me just share with you a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I think you know, encapsulates this pretty well. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. If you want religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. So there you go. There's an endorsement from C.S. Lewis. Any of you that have been on the faith walk for any length of time in your life know that the truth that's in that though. You know that when you're walking with God and you're letting him into those rooms of that house that you've kept dark, it's gonna be maybe a little bit uncomfortable because he's gonna stretch you. He's gonna, he's going to challenge us. He's gonna grow us to be really truly more completely in his image. And he also knows that when we're in those times of, of, of stress or discomfort or out of our comfort zone, that we grow and that we also rely on him. And, that's, and we were created to live in reliance to, to our heavenly father. And so I think discomfort's an okay thing. One of my mentors will often say that, um, he said, I don't think God's, I don't, I don't think our comfort is God's first priority, and not that it doesn't matter to him, not that he doesn't want us to have joy and happiness and a fulfilled life, but he also wants our heart to be where it should be, and he wants to be led into those rooms, and so that's going to require sometimes a little work. Now, it's not my desire to make you so uncomfortable you run out of here today, so let me, let me define darkness as we're going to look at it this morning. Darkness is anything that is keeping you from enjoying the fullness of God. Anything that is keeping you from enjoying the full joy that he has designed you to, to, to experience. The full peace and serenity and, and wisdom and happiness that he created you to be. So anything that's getting in that way. So that could be, like me, issues with addiction. Whether that's a substance addiction, a food addiction, you know, a, a, a social media addiction, we're starting to see more and more of that. Or maybe you have issues with anger uh, and and, and losing your temper. That would be me as well, just in case you wanted to know. Control freak. If you're a control freak, you can't enjoy the peace and the serenity of God because you have to control everything. And that is like me too. This is like my wife wrote this. I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Codependency. There's one. There's one I don't suffer from because I'm a selfish alcoholic. Maybe you are one that puts everybody else first. There's no time for your soul care. And sometimes you might do that because it's, a, it's your way of saying nothing to see here. I'll go and focus on you. So codependency might be something. It can be honesty issues, integrity issues, fear. Maybe you are just gripped with fear or you are a prisoner of shame. It could be pride, it could be porn, it could be gossiping, it could be resentments. Okay, so anything that's keeping you from the fullness of being who you were created to be. So that's, that's what we, when we talk about moving from darkness to light, that's what we're looking at here. And I must take a moment before we go further to call out a specific type of darkness that's in our world and, and just give a couple of notes on it. Um, if you are the victim of sexual or physical or emotional abuse, know that that darkness is not yours. You had nothing to do with that. In the Celebrate Recovery ministry, in our 12 steps for those that, that's, that are victims of abuse, we talk about renouncing the lie that the abuse was your fault. And so if you haven't done that and you are a victim of abuse, you, you, you need to do that and you need to know that. Okay? That's darkness, but it's not your darkness. Now, having said that, oftentimes folks that have been traumatized by sexual, emotional, physical abuse have made choices in life that has led them to some dark places. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe shame is keeping them, as I said, from the, 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 the peace that God has for them. Um, and so those areas folks may need to dig into, but the abuse itself is uh, not your darkness. I just wanted to be clear with that before we move on this morning. So we're going to use our anchor. I'm going to get you into scripture here. 1 John 1, 5 through 9 is where we're going to anchor ourselves scripturally this morning. So let me read that. It says, uh, starting in verse 5, this is the message we heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's kind of what we'll, we'll kind of use to anchor our, our discussion this morning. And I also want to take uh, as, as another anchor and, and match that scripture up with one of uh, the recovery principles that is, is foundational in the, in the Celebrate Recovery program. So let me just give you a little background on that. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry that was started over 30 years ago down at uh, Saddleback Church down in Southern California. And the CR program, it, its very genesis comes from the words of Jesus and, and, the, and the specific words uh, that, that uh, the CR program is, is um, founded on is, it uh, can be found in Matthew chapter five, the very start of the Sermon on the Mount, if you're familiar with that, with that passage or with that area of scripture. And Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount with blessed are the poor in spirit, okay? For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, and it goes on through these beatitudes is what they're called. Um, just for the few fun fact folks out there, Uh, The Latin root word for for blessed is beatus, and so that's where we get beatitude from. Now, in Jesus' time, in other words, when he delivered that message, that word blessed had a different meaning than it means today. It was a much more powerful word to the audience that was listening to Jesus back then. Back then, when they heard that word, their minds went to, that means divine joy. That means a perfect happiness, that, that did not depend at all on any external uh, influences. You were just uh, a generator of peace and tranquility and happiness, that, that kind of idea. All that was from within. So when he starts blessed, they're paying attention because most of us, in whatever degree, we want that. And, and I think because we were created to want that. But we want that, so, and of course they did too. And so as Jesus goes through the Beatitudes, he's kind of giving a roadmap of what life with him looks like, what life, you know, living the life that, that, uh, that one would reflect, be truly reflective of God would look like, and, and what are the results of living that life. And so um, each of the Beatitudes corresponds to a recovery principle. We're going we're gonna to focus on recovery principle number four this morning. So we'll put that up on the screens. Recovery principle number four says, we're going to openly examine and confess our faults to ourselves, to God, and to someone else. Confess to my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. And uh, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is our beatitude that undergirds that or, or supports that. So we're going to take that recovery principle and kind of weave it through the first John scripture. So let's, let's dive in. 1 John 1, verses 6 and verses 8. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so moving from darkness to the light is gonna require truth. I, can, I openly examine and confess my faults to myself. We need to start with us. In other words, we need to get out of denial and we need to even admit that there's rooms somewhere down that hall that we're not letting Jesus into. And denial is a lie. And it's a good lie. And the reason I know this is good because I've been sucked into it many times myself, but also because there's parts of it that seem to make sense. And I think that's when the enemy's at his top is when he's he's telling you a lie and you think, well, this makes total sense. Let me give you some examples. Um, Denial lengthens the pain. And yet many of us think that if we just deny it, it'll go away. Or if we deny it, it'll go away sooner. And the exact opposite happens. And as a personal example, let me, I mean, I, I get this here, okay? Uh, back in September last year, my appendix burst. I was doing nothing, minding my own business, and it burst, okay? There was pain associated with it. There was discomfort. I did not choose to deny that pain, thinking, oh, this will just go away. It'll shorten the pain. No, I was, I was in the car to the hospital, because I need to get that thing out. If I had not done anything about it, not only would it have lengthened my pain, it would have shortened my life. I got that. Almost immediately. Didn't even have to think about it. Now, that's the same guy that stands before you that in 1991, I think it was, I got my first DUI. But I thought, well, that was just a fluke. Couldn't be a problem with the drinking. Maybe it was the wrong car or something like that. 1999, still in denial, I went into my first treatment program. I didn't stop drinking until 2013. So, denial did not shorten anything up. Denial did not lighten or, or the pain, it lengthened the pain 20 some odd years. Okay, so denial's a lie. Denial's a lie also because it will isolate you from God. And John is kind of, kind of clear on that back in our scripture. I don't know if I have it up on the screen, but he talks about. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. He says right before that, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So you can't have it where you're walking with God in the darkness because there is no darkness in him. As soon as you're walking with God, you're in the light, okay? So if you're not letting him into the room, that's darkness. So you gotta let him into the room, but you can't say while you're keeping him out in the hall that you're walking with God in there. All right. So you tend to not let him in that part of your life. And, and depending on your life, you might have a lot of rooms that you're not letting him in and you continue to isolate away from him. So denial is a lie, it isolates you from God. Finally, denial is a lie because it, uh, it erodes the relationships you have with other people. God will put people in our lives to speak truth into our lives. Um, hopefully with some love, but they, they, they will speak truth. And we don't want to hear that truth when we're in denial. And so what do we do? We go away from them. It's the classic example I use at the first service of the alcoholic who says, well, I don't drink any more than my friends, not realizing they're hanging out in the bar with all the alcoholics only now. They've left all of their normal friends. They've left all their friends that have said, hey, I think beer's at seven in the morning. Maybe a little, you to know, check into that. So denial is a lie. L, lengthens the pain. I, isolates you from God. E, it's gonna erode your relationships with others, so don't fall into it. So the first step we need to do is admit that we've got those rooms in our house. Then we go to the next step, um, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So moving from the darkness to the light requires confession. I must openly examine and confess my faults to God. Now this gets a little kind of confusing for folks sometimes because they think, well, wait a minute, aren't, aren't the sins, you know, and not all that forgiven? Didn't we just celebrate that a couple of weeks ago? Why am I confessing still? I thought he took care of that. And especially when you look at scriptures like Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Or Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so, which is it? Do we need to confess our sins or have they already been forgiven? And the answer is yes. See how that works? Yes. Yes. God has paid, Jesus has taken and paid the price for those sins. And yes, we need to continually confess sin as as it comes into our life. And I think that that if you you look at God's character, you will see that that, that God is more and than or. Okay, and what I mean by that, if you you look at it, it, for instance, it's, um, it's truth and love, not or. And even though I want to keep making it just truth, because I'm really good at the truth, it's just the love piece that gets me hung up. But he's not saying and love, Jack. He's saying faith and works, not, once again, choose one. So we're talking sin forgiven and sin confessed. When you confess your sin to God, you're just putting your faith in action. You are simply agreeing with God. God that sin is bad, sin is evil, and sin needs to be killed at every opportunity because we still live surrounded by sin in our world. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am. And I need to confess that as an act of my faith. I'm not confessing because I fear my salvation. I better save myself. No, Jesus saved me. I can't save myself. I confess out of the gratitude of the victory of that salvation that I have. I'm agreeing with God and saying, I'm gonna partner up with you and we're gonna kill this sin, okay? When we confess, it allows God to cleanse us of any and all unrighteousness that might creep in and give aid and comfort to the enemy. So confession is that act of attacking in that battle that we're in, that constant battle that we're in with the enemy. Confession will move us from shame to dignity. Confession moves us from victim to victor. And confession moves us from, from darkness to light. So once we move out of denial and admit, that's up here, that we've got those rooms, and we take God down the hall and, and accept the fact that yeah, he needs to be in there too, that's at the heart level. We're ready to go and do something completely radical. Moving from the darkness to the light requires fellowship. I must openly examine and confess my faults to someone I trust. I've got to tell somebody else. Are you crazy? Do you know what's in that room? Well, God does, and you do, and somebody else needs to. Radical fellowship. 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we need that fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So why on earth would you tell somebody else what's in that room? What possible purpose could that uh, facilitate? James 5.16 probably puts it best. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. When we confess to one another, when we get that out, not just to God, not just to ourselves, but actually tell somebody else, that's a healing act. I see that all the time, every week in the Celebrate Recovery ministry. But you know, before that healing can can happen, there's one piece that has to, to you know, come before all of this and that's you've got to have Jesus in your life. You've got to have, just to about 45 years of atheism, I, I didn't have the house, I didn't even have Jesus to take to the hallway to not show, to, to keep him out of the rooms. I didn't even have that. I got to start there. And so if you're out here in the church today, if you're out there online with me this morning and you are at that point, you've been feeling something um, pursuing you, it's likely the Spirit. It's likely Jesus saying, I'm here. And if you're ready to make that step, take that step, and invite him into your heart, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And I also want to let you know, it, it, this is not something that is a limited time offer. Okay, act now, or nothing, you know, nothing happens. You can, you can accept Christ into your life anytime. But why wait? If, if, if he's tugging on you right now, take advantage of that. Open your life up to him. And, and you do that simply just by talking to him, just by asking him into your life, and you do that in a prayer. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to I just walk you through a, a prayer. And it really doesn't matter the words that you use. You can, you can use mine, you can use your own. Just in your heart, I want you to talk to God. And you might say something like this. So let's just bow our heads. Father, I... I'm, I'm tired. I am ready for you to come into my life. I have tried this thing on my own. And I've got so many rooms. I, it's going to take a long time, Lord. But I know that you are ready to go into each and every one of those rooms. And light them up, Lord. Lord, I am I, 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 grateful. I am thankful. I am in awe of your sacrifice for my sin. On the cross, I am in, in, in further awe that you're overcoming death on that cross to give me the chance to walk with you and to give you the chance to go into those rooms with me so that I don't have to be in this darkness any longer, Lord. Lord, I ask that you come into my heart, into my life today. I ask that your will be my will. Jesus, I need you. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer or something like that with me this morning and you're here, um, it's a logical question to ask yourself, well, now what? What happens now? And um, we've got some folks who can help answer that question. If you head out the building when you leave today and right in the center of our atrium, there's, a, there's some people there that would love to just kind of, Come alongside you, as we like to say a lot around here, and and just partner with you, and answer questions, and say this is this is, is perfectly natural that you might be feeling what the heck did you know just happened? That was me. It's still an out of body experience that that an atheist alcoholic is now leading a Christ centered ministry. What the heck is up with that? You know that's weird. Um, so I get that, um, but. But talk to the folks and, and and begin this walk with some people. Once again, fellowship, radical fellowship. If you're online watching it this morning and you and you want more information, or you want some questions answered, you just need to go to rollinghills.org you know, slash next steps. And you'll find some resources there that can um, help you in taking those next steps. Radical fellowship. Radical fellowship really, in other words, people telling other people what's going on in those rooms is is really part of, of really, at some level, all the care ministries here at Rolling Hills. If you've been traumatized by divorce, let's say, our divorce care ministry is other folks talking and sharing that trauma with one another and helping each other heal, as it says in James. Um, Grief release. Is another one where, where people are grieving not just the loss of someone but sometimes the loss of something. A lo- loss of a job can be huge, have a huge impact and cause a lot of trauma. And our grief release, once again, people getting together, engaging in radical fellowship with one another in order to heal one another. Mending the soul is another one, looking at, at family of origin issues and, and, and really going back and getting down to what, how many rooms do I have? You know, sometimes. So a lot of times we get it, we'll start walking around the house and go, oh, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> and and mending the soul helps us once again in radical fellowship with other believers. And typically you're doing this with people that may be a little farther down that path. You're gonna be with people that are maybe are, you, you're a little farther down the path than they are and you're all helping one another. And certainly the Celebrate Recovery ministry is all about that. And Celebrate Recovery is more of kind of a maintenance ministry, honestly, because Grief release and divorce care and all that. There's ongoing groups and, 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 and ongoing fellowship that certainly happens. But CR is every Wednesday and, 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 and we're, we're there for you as you constantly have the discovery, the awareness, the admission. You get out of denial and find another room. I tell people all the time, I came into CR about nine years ago, eight years ago because of alcohol. I'm still there today because I'm prideful, because I lose my temper, because I judge before I love, Okay. We keep finding new areas, new rooms in my house that I keep going, oh, really? Do we have to go in there? And so that's that's radical fellowship. You know, overcoming the darkness in our lives is more than just taking a light, the light of Christ, and illuminating some problem, okay? Moving from darkness to light also involves taking that light once we've illuminated the issue once we're working on it with Jesus once we're working on it in our own heads and getting out of denial once we're working on it in radical fellowship with someone else or others and then reflecting that light back out to the rest of the world we take and we, and, and we, and we show the rest of the world the redeeming quality that God has and that's just got to be, or irritate the enemy to have... You take something and you and God take something that he had you as a prisoner. He had power over you. He convinced you that nobody else suffers with this. Nobody else has a room like that in their house, let me tell you. And you find out not only do a lot of people have that same room, you're able to, to, to take and, and, and broadcast or emit that light back out to the rest of the world and glorify God at the same time and advance his kingdom at the same time. And so while there are many verses in, the, in scripture about supporting one another and encouraging one another and healing one another like in the James scripture we had, um, I thought this morning I wanna show you what radical fellowship looks like. I wanna show you, uh, and so I've asked a group of my friends to, to join me here this morning and just give you a glimpse of as we get out of denial, as we, as we come clean to God by confession, because let's face it, he knows it. He knows what's in the room. He's God. But he wants us to confess about that. And, and, and we engage in that radical fellowship that I talk about where we tell somebody else, or we tell other people, um, this is what that looks like in Reality.
1: We're gonna see some amazing testimonies um, here in just a moment. Um, And this is a celebration, this is celebratory time. Um, So I would just invite you guys as we sing the song and see these testimonies to just celebrate um, with them and with us. The miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water praises of the spirit son and father our god will finish what he started this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story i'll testify by jesus christ the righteous i'm justified this is my testimony Story. I'll testify that Jesus Christ the Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified, this is my testimony, this is my testimony.
0: I'm not dead, you're not dead, so he's still working, still working in us. And ask that you, you just open up those rooms, let him into your life. You know, that, that James scripture talks about confession and, and healing. And so I want to thank you because you all are a part of our healing this morning. And uh, we just appreciate you, you, you participating in that. And we encourage you to engage in that radical fellowship with one another. And uh, don't, don't fear, um, you know, use caution, use prudence, all that, but, but enjoy that. We'll be around up here, most of us at least will be afterwards. If, if you want prayer or just wanna come up and, and, and chat because something kind of stirred in you today, we'd be happy to, uh, to just, just talk with you and pray with you. And um, as I say, it, 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 don't, don't worry, we're not gonna suck you into this thing next week. We'll leave you alone and all that but um and, and, and join us next week as, as we as we continue on in this, this series on on choosing hope where, where Pastor Bill's going to going to take a look at okay as we start freeing ourselves from these these hurts and habits and hangups as we call them in CR how do we then go out and live our best life how do we live uh, and, and take advantage of the gifts that God has given us and, and, and really uh, take it up a notch not just not just get out of the darkness but really go out and shine so in the spirit of uh, of, of the, the, the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount. Have a blessed day. Thanks very much.